Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I want to thank you for joining me here for another episode here at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. I want to first thank my Heavenly Father for blessing me this morning or today and also giving me the activities on my limb. I'm trying to log on to Facebook Live where I'll be trying to do things at the same time. And it's crazy because when I don't have my intern with me, sometimes I'll be like, I need my intern. But you know what? Like the old saying, go. Sometimes you don't miss what you had until it's gone. So I'm not in my office today, so I am still working via telehealth. So I'm going to tell my intern, if you're out there, Brianna, you know you can call in and log on. So, well, again, I want to thank you for joining me here for the show. Jamie, thank you for signing in. If you have any questions, feel free to text me, let me know on Facebook Live, or you can also call into the show. Now, today's topic, we have a very interesting topic, because as we know, the criminal justice system is something that we know is flawed. And a lot of times, individuals can get caught up in a system that they know very little about. Now, I am a licensed marriage family therapist, and it's funny because most of my friends or people that I went to school with, they really thought I had became an attorney because that was my goal. My goal was to go to law school and then retire as a judge. That's what I wanted to do. But they say if you want to make God laugh, tell them your, your, tell them your place. So it kind of worked out. But I still have a degree in administration of criminal justice. Just didn't pursue the law degree like I should have. So, but with that being said, and when we start talk about being wrongfully accused or wrongfully convicted, you know, Beretta used to say, or the, the show, he used to say, don't do the crime if you can't do the time. But that doesn't mean that there are not a lot of innocent people that are incarcerated or have been wrongfully convicted, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Now, I have quite a few people calling in. Let me start signing these individuals on. Okay. Hi, this is Jeanette. Welcome to Precious Predicaments, Blog Talk Radio. Last four numbers is 9559. How are you doing? I'm doing well today. How are you? I'm doing well. Now, I'm doing better than I was over the week because I was, like, in the bed for, like, five days because I was a girl couldn't walk, but I can walk now. Can't run, but oh. I can walk. <laughs> I am grateful, oh, and good. I am at least I can walk. So what do you want to add to this show when we start talking about wrongfully convicted? What comes to your mind in regards to that? Well, um, I'm a investigative journalist and do some podcast work and focus on uh, wrongful convictions. And uh, there's an individual that um, I've been working with him and his family here in Southern California uh, to bring attention and awareness to his case. And we're um, about to launch a, a more concerted campaign to raise awareness alongside uh, investigations into his mm-hmm. case. But uh, I just got a text this morning that said, call in at 2 p.m. and uh, join the conversation if you're able. So here I am. I appreciate you for doing that. I do, especially last minute. And a lot of times because, you know, when we start looking at these situations and these cases, 
a lot of times families don't know what to do. They don't know where to go. They don't know who to turn to. And people don't realize is when our loved ones get incarcerated, it don't only impact the person that got arrested. It impacts the whole family, including the community. And his grandmother was the one that reached out to me and was like, hey, Jeanette, I need you to talk about this. Even though we talked about it before, mm. we talked about mass incarcerations before, but I'm glad that you connected with me in order for to provide information regarding the resources that you guys um, provide. Now, I have another caller that just called in, and the last four numbers is 0361. Name, share, who are you, and what do you want to add to this show? Hello, it's Smith. I'm uh, just uh, just just a fly on the wall. Okay, you said just a fly on the wall. Now, many of us can say that we know someone who has been arrested. We know someone or people that always they can declare their innocence. Sometimes they may be, sometimes they may not be. But what we're talking about today are the individuals that are truly, truly innocent that got caught up in the system, and individuals can be wrongfully convicted for a number of different reasons. And a lot of times, you know, family members or or, or people can be really quick to judge. I was just talking to a friend of mine last night because he had been trying to reach me, and he was wrongfully convicted And when I was talking to him last night, because he's about to go before the parole board, and my question to him was, I know you've been in there almost 17 years. What was your sentence? He said 15 to life. But every time he goes before the parole board, the parole board will deny him because he's not showing no remorse. And how do you show remorse or admit to a crime that you didn't even commit? And it was crazy, sir, because as we were on the phone, and they say through Global Tell Link that these calls can be recorded, I knew the call was being recorded. I could tell because they something sounded different, and then somebody clicked in on us, and I was just telling him, be you. Go in there and tell them people your story. Don't make nothing up. Don't make it seem like you're trying to manipulate them. Don't try to convince them. Be you. But he said, it's hard, Jeanette when they look at me like I'm stupid and I'm not, or they say they want me to admit to something I didn't do. and But this man's been fighting this case, or was, and, and I even went to court with him and testified, and the young lady later retracted her story, but because it was a new DA, and, and I asked him, I said, are you aware if once you get out you still got to register as a sex offender? And you still got to, he said, I don't care what I got to do as long as these people let me out. So I want to ask the guy that called in. I, I really didn't get your name, sir. Can you tell me the first one that called in? Again, it says it was the, um, with the organization. What do you do yeah, or what, what happens with individuals when they go in before the parole board and they're trying to tell their story or show that, you know, that they've learned something and – and the parole board, because I keep saying, you know, what can I do? What what can I do? They already have their opinion of, of me and just this crime, period. But when the young girl already retracted her statement, which was his stepdaughter, got mad at her mama, 
and said that he did something to her that he did not do. Yeah, it's a tough situation. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunity through another project to talk to parole board commissioners here in California, and I've asked them about the pitfalls of going to board when you're maintaining your innocence, um, when a big part of that is of the, of the board process is, is accountability and understanding the impact of your crime. Um, and it just seems like a zero sum game. Uh, but the commissioner told me that they, they do take that into, into consideration and they will listen to what someone has to say. Um, but it's not going to be, you don't have a, limitless time to to make your case um and what they're really there to do is to discern whether or not an individual is going to is going to get out and commit further harm so there is a way to to demonstrate to the board um that you are uh that you're not a, going to be a, a danger to society and regardless you know individuals grow up and change and have insight um mm-hmm. So I think the best thing you can do is is to prepare for the board hearing and rather than try to make, you know, use the couple hours that you have to make the case for your innocence, but to talk about who you are today Correct. and the individual that you are and respectfully state that, you know, I, I am innocent and here's evidence and so on and so forth, but I understand this isn't the forum for me to prove my innocence, but I, I want you to know that's part of my narrative. Mm-hmm. And you know what, and that's what I was sharing with him when I had the conversation with him last night, and he was explaining it to me. I said, what you're telling me is what you need to tell them. Don't go in there scared. Don't go in there trying to, because he was in the military, and he did all of this stuff and, you know, educated, and he's like, I don't believe this freaking happened to me. But by that same token, it's like, well, what do you want me to do? And he's frustrated. He is so frustrated. Now, what I want to put down, and I see my auntie is watching. Thank you, Auntie Samantha, for watching. And I wrote down on Facebook, and I said, if you or someone you know have been wrongfully convicted, as we know, it can be very devastating. And the criminal justice system does not always play fair. And many times individuals do not have the financial ability to even pay for their defense, which is one of the things we run into. And when innocent, it could be even more complicated. Now, we know that there are several reasons where an individual can be wrongfully convicted, but there are resources available. The caller online is is a resource. So, like I said, I definitely appreciate you, and I'm going to have you share more information about what you do and in regards to your organization. Now, when we start talking about wrongful conviction, and I'm looking at some information, and it's coming from the National Institute of Justice, and it says the person convicted is factually innocent of the charges. They say we're innocent to proven guilty. We all know that that ain't always true because they treat people like they're guilty until you prove your innocence. And sometimes it's hard to prove your innocence if you wasn't there, if it wasn't you, if it's, you know, you have, a, a, a you know, different things happen. Now, it goes into what are some examples of wrongful, criminal, uh, wrongful convictions, and it says other leading causes of wrongful convictions include mistaken witnesses, identification, false or misleading, forensic science, and jailhouse informants. But then you also have 
where individuals can um, have um, false confessions, police are uh, prosecuted misconduct. I don't know why my son is calling me. Give me one second. Reggie, you know I'm on the radio. Bye. All right. All right. Bye, Reggie. <laughs> okay. So my question to you, sir, is why do you think it's often that wrongful convictions occur? What happened? Um, Yeah, yeah, and I, I should preface, I do only have about five minutes more. I wasn't sure what was on deck today, um, but uh, um, we could certainly talk about this another time uh, as well. Um, and I did want to get the name, you know, the name, the gentleman I'm advocating for is named Christopher Stone, and we are um, beginning a campaign under on Instagram and online, uh, Justice for Stone on Instagram, but there will be more information to follow on that. Um, but there's, you know, I think as you as you noted, um, you know, wrongful conviction is the tip of the iceberg. And in talking to folks about Chris's case down in Compton, um, you know, wrongful arrest is uh-huh. is endemic in these communities. Like I talked to, went down and met a bunch of his family members and friends and people advocating for Chris, and most of the, you know, most of the black men down there had been locked up, arrested, taken to, you know, just the city jail for them for any number of reasons and mm-hmm. wrongfully convicted and actually sent to prison. It just happens, especially in, in these communities, so much more frequently than people know. And mm-hmm. it's it's tragic. Um, it's It's not... You know, there's a lot of podcasts out there and outlier cases of people being wrongfully convicted and going deep into all the reasons why it happens. And, you know, you get into confirmation bias and tunnel vision and investigators who build a case against the wrong person and are able to cherry pick a few pieces of evidence and they're able to get that past a jury. And that's a gross oversimplification. Um but I think especially in inner city black communities, um, you know, individuals that grow up in generational gang involved families and things like that, they grow up with a much different justice system than people outside of those communities do. And so, you know, the wrongful conviction and the wrongful arrest, it's just, it's a part of life to a point that's so tragic to say that, but it's like saying that, you know, hunger is a way of life in so many impoverished communities across the country, but we don't talk about it. Um, And not many people are talking about how overwhelmingly common it is for um, young men of color to be picked up for something they didn't do. And for a few of those, the charges stick and they wind up in court. And a lot of times they have to take a deal to try to get the lesser of two evils, you know, so it's a very complex and broad uh, problem with a lot of different reasons. Um, there's a lot of different reasons why, why people find themselves incarcerated for something they didn't do. And you do. know what? I'm glad um, you speak on that. I'm glad you speak on that because I was looking at some statistics in regards to the cities and the states that have it, the higher um, number of um, exonerations. And it's crazy because we see it on TV, we see it in the media, we hear it on the radio, with all of these things. Now, I grew up with 
Christopher's mother. So we lived right down the street from each other. Now, Linda's gotcha. grandmother right now. Okay, Linda, you got to call the number. Linda, <laughs> call 516-387-1914. Oh, my God. Okay, let me try this again. Okay. Okay, okay bye-bye. Okay. So, yes, I grew up now. I also know some of Christopher's father's family members because we lived around the corner. And sometimes this becomes mm-hmm. what you call a generational curse because just like myself, I left Compton in 1986 because I had to get my son up out of Compton because I didn't want my child to have to go through this. But then my son still ended up getting in trouble, and part of it was because of the things or the names, and, and that is so, so true. And then we try to yeah. educate our American sons to try to keep them aware of these things because these things happen. And sometimes the criminal justice system can be so intimidating for people with my son, my son name drop. They'll be like, my mama name is, or my mama, I'm going to call my mama. They'll be like, Reginald, please get off the phone with your mother. Reginald, please, don't even want to be bothered with him. But if he was in constant getting in trouble, ain't no telling what the hell would have happened by now. But he was in ocean or other state. Now, somebody just logged on, so I don't know if it's Crystal or not. Number ended in 2546. Yes. Crystal? Okay, yes. Crystal, how are you doing? And your mother is still on the phone. I told her to call in. She ain't called in. She's still on the phone. Hello? <laughs> you calling the wrong number. Okay, give me the number again real quick. You know what, Linda? Just stay on this phone. Just stay on the phone. They can still hear you, okay? Oh, good. Okay. We're going to make it easy for you. Okay, Crystal, tell the listeners who you are and what is going on as we start talking about wrongful um, conviction. Because, like I said, these things happen. It happened to you. It happened to mothers all over the world. And some mothers just don't know what to do, what to do, especially when we're talking about not only our young black men, but in some cases our young black women. My mother used to say, I'm going to beat your butt so the police won't have to. And I used to say, police don't beat up, girl. I will never forget when I was in Compton riding down the street with you and the police pulled up on the side and put a gun up to my head. And you know, Crystal, I ain't never been in no gang. I ain't never did none of that. I looked and was like, what in the world? But then he would have had to try to find a reason to try to arrest me or arrest you, and we weren't even doing it. But coming back from Louisburg to get some chili cheese fries. So, and sometimes it's set up. So what do you want to share about your story, about your son, about what's going on, and your mother is on the other line? Who was just talking um, um, that was sharing before you started talking? It was a gentleman. That was a gentleman that was a part of the program that is helping your son. um, That's who was speaking about. Yes. And thank you for being able to reach out to him to get to give him the information. That was him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, no, I just wanted to chime in. Um, I'm not sure. I guess my mom set this up or whatever. But um, long to the short, wrongful convictions is more um, more happening now than than ever um, as it pertains to my son. 
like I heard you share, Jeanette, you know, you moved your son out of the neighborhood so this and that wouldn't happen. Well, I did the same thing with my kids as well, and it still ended up happening. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what I've come to realize is that um, for black men, boys, what have have you, there is – there's a law that's not written. There's things that are happening that's not written. Their constitutional rights are not being taken into consideration. Um, looking back on it, my son was doomed from the start. Because of my lack of information, my lack of knowledge as it pertains to the system, um, we were doomed from the start because there was so much that went against his constitutional rights as far as when you're in a trial and the jury talking in the hallway, the jury sleep, um, things that I have in writing that never took place with the attorney. There was three or four attorneys on the case prior to the trial, during the trial, and nobody fought for Christopher. There, And now I know the objections throughout the trial is to poke holes into the case so we can come back and have a fair appeal. I didn't know that. So his attorney sat there and never objected to anything when the the, uh, detective was basically stalking my house for a whole week um, trying to gather stuff but didn't have anything prior all of this before Christopher got picked up. He was a month from getting off of parole or probation, Mm -hmm. and then before he got off, they came with this. He had a job. He was working. He had his children. He was doing all the right things. He had been long gone out of the hood. Did he go back occasionally? Yes, I did too when their family functions. I also learned throughout being the gang member, gang affiliation, they have these 10 check marks, and if you fit any of the 10, then they put you on paper as a gang member. Christopher does not have gang tattoos or any of that, but he's noted as a gang member. So with that, that's already another beam against him. So it's easy to put a gang member, uh, quote, on paper on in a case and get a conviction. Versus somebody that doesn't have that label on them. Go ahead. Now, what I was going to say, um, you know I left Compton in 86, and my son is on here watching now on Facebook Live. They said my son was a documented gang member from Compton, and he left Compton at, what, 13 months, 15 months? He was old, and we lived in Oceanside. How the hell are you a documented gang member from Right, Compton? so, so and, in the trial... And- Talking with a gang uh, specialist, quote unquote, nothing special mm-hmm. about them other than the fact that they uh, lie. But uh, gang specialist determines if you wear a certain color, if you at your grandma mm-hmm. house and you're standing in front when a police officer rides by and they catch you there another time, that can go down as you are a documented gang. That's what they base it off of. And so the 76th Precinct also has been under investigation for the last past 10 years because they have wrongfully put so many people, black men, incarcerated in jail for things that they didn't commit. When they illegally came into my house with a fake search warrant, 
uh, when Christopher was 17, based off of some other stuff, um, that guy told me specifically that he was going to get everybody that ever was a part of Pocket Hood and, and, um, mm-hmm. and Zach and Grape. He, he looked at me in my face and told me that. And and to this day, everybody that he said he was going after, he went after, and they're all in prison for double digits, for mm. nothing, most of them. And so, um, so it goes back, and it goes back, and it goes deep. And so now I'm, I'm working backwards as I'm mm. educating myself and trying to understand. And all these alleged gang members that are so, quote, unquote, popular, that have an opportunity to make a difference and to make a change, um, yeah, they don't come forth. They don't say anything. But yet, you know, they bitter and they have issues because nobody was down for them, yet they want to represent a hood that ain't never been loyal, ain't never been down, but they want to represent something. And it, it's ridiculous. So as it pertains to Christopher, um, they sentenced my son to 75 years. So that basically is called an LWAP. Chip Kim, whoa, 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 Kim, 75 years? 75 years for something that he did not commit. I don't voice that part about um, this case because I don't receive it, but that's what they yeah. say. 75 years. So I'm unmuted, so I'd like to um, ask you a question uh, when you're finished. I know you, you're unmuted. Okay. So I, I just unmuted you. you got a lot of background noise, too. Someone, I want to speak to the caller. Okay, I'm going, to, I, I'm going to put myself on mute when you – and oh, then yeah, um, have, when you want me to you, talk, I'll just unmute myself, right and that should okay. take care of the static. Okay. Never ended in 6606. What would you like to add to the show? Well, okay. I didn't want I, to interrupt her, uh, her story. But the thing okay, is, no I'll, I'll wait until she finishes. Okay. I'm giving you the floor right now. What do you want to add to the show? As we're okay. Talking about- All right. I wanted to find out, since the topic is about uh, wrongfully uh, convictions, is um, what do you think the major factors are in, um, in convicting somebody who is innocent? Do you think it's the lack of the lawyer's uh, concern, incompetence? Do you think it's crooked it's, judges? Do you think that it's bad jury picking? It could be That's what I wanted to ask. It could be a combination and of I anything. Believe, yeah, it's a, it's a host of those. For mainly the crooked judges, the DAs, and the attorneys, uh, court appointed, not all. I'm not making a blanket statement at all. But the majority of them are working together. Well, let me say this. Let, let me let me say this. Let me say this. And I'm seeing this crystal in a way because I studied law, uh, went through all of this stuff in regards to my education, and worked in courtrooms and stuff like that. It's not that they all work together because they have different departments. When you're talking about the the district attorney's office versus the public defender's office plus the judges, the judges are just sitting there on the bench to referee things. Now, I know when my son got in trouble the first time, my mother was like, go on, get get my son out of jail. My son, Reggie got in trouble for terrorist threats because of something he said to a baby mama that he didn't want the girl to say she was pregnant and got arrested for that. So I, that was my first time. My son had just turned 18 years old. I'm like, oh, my son ain't going to have no criminal record. So the second time he got in trouble, I noticed that the lawyer, and I hired a really good lawyer, 
But the lawyer was getting so sick of my son, they sold him out. And I called that lawyer, and I left him a message because he started trying to dodge me. I said, you know what? You may view my son as a menace, or you may view it as my son don't know what the hell going on, but I do. And I just watched you sell my son out, and I am not the one. That man apologized to me because he knew what he did, where he had made a deal with the DA, and the DA really wanted to convict my son because when he was getting it for the first time, it was like 13 years, 15 years. And even the last time when he got in trouble in Arizona, they told my son to his face, if it wouldn't have been for your mama showing up, you'd be looking at 13 years. And as mad as I was at my son, I could not let them do that to him. And I had to drive my butt all the way down to Arizona to let them know I'm not the one. I am so not the one. Excuse me, unfortunately, everybody is not can do that, and, and it hasn't been, I mean, you know, it hasn't oh, been that way like that for them, so that's why she's struggling now to try to get help I to save my son, my grandson. That's the purpose of calling in to ask if any type of groups or somebody to help my grandson get up out of that place. Mm-hmm. That's what I call Hello? the show. We still here. Hello? I can still hear you. That's your mother talking. Now, the thing is, and the guy asked I just want to clarify something. Uh, it ain't like Christopher didn't have me on his side or going up to talk to people mm-hmm. or any of that. I don't want it to be a, a pity no, party. No, it's, it's not that. It's not that. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. My point is, is that this continues to happen. Christopher just... It's close and on my heart and the family's heart. But this thing happens every single day that there are you that don't have anybody to fight for them, anybody to stand up for them. And so I know his case is going to make a difference for other people. I don't want to just talk about what I did for my son because at the end of the day, God has sent Chip and his organization to assist and to help and to aid us. I was on your show, um, Jeanette, during the trial. Um, mm-hmm. when it, before he even got sentenced, you got on your show um, as as an innocent person, you know, before the conviction came. And so, again, um, it, it, it's the guy, uh, the gentleman asked the question, where do we think the holes are or whatever, and I said that I think that they all work together, and you stated your claim, uh, but at the end of the day, they correspond with each other regarding They know each other. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, they know that's one thing. If I was looking for a lawyer a while back, and I, and I would not want to have um, an attorney defending me, if the guy says to me proudly, as though it's um, as though it's um, a winning point, I am. Um, I know the district attorney. I have lunch with him. I don't. I wouldn't want any of any attorney of mine to have any affiliation with the enemy, mm-hmm. um, because right. they uh, they might become influenced. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, so and that's what, uh, that's why I asked. They work together. They can. But I'm gonna tell you what I've also seen too. I've also seen people come in with attorneys from other cities. Like you'll come in, because San Diego at one point had a 99.9 conviction rate. 
They was going to convict everybody. And if you came in with a high-powered attorney from L.A., they didn't give a flying flute. They would still convict that person, even though they had an attorney coming from someplace else. So in some cases, it, it depends on, it, I don't want to say it's like a, a throwing, a, but it, the, the cases, it's, it's, it's really one of those things where we say the justice system is not fair. Reginald said, okay, Reggie, you said something. I'm trying to see what you said on here. It kind of disappeared that he said on Facebook. But he said they don't well, like that. Like, you know, they don't like when you bring other people into the chat because they, they become territorial. But you want someone that's, that's smart, that's savvy, that, no, you don't want but the deals be made and plea bargaining saves time and money. But when you are wrongfully convicted, you don't want to sometimes take a deal if you know you didn't do it. And we do have to You don't want to take a plea calling. deal. Yeah, I know. I if you two have had, sounds like you two have had experience in court. Uh, why, while you two were there, how did you notice your attorney in, in, um, in the art of cross-examination? Did they poke holes well enough into the story of the witnesses or of the cops who were on the witness stand? Did they do okay. that? No, they did not. Okay, so when we were in trial, this is the, the, the beginning of this. I want everybody to understand that I put a motion with the attorney to sever the case, to separate Christopher from this other young man. Mind you, this other young man had been convicted for several murders already. He would already have sentencing for that. So they, they put him together. So the first six months of this trial was regarding the other gentleman. So Christopher had to sit in there as a co-defendant for this man. So he was already, his name was already smart because of this gentleman that they would not sever. So when I, I got a little bit of knowledge because this, this attorney was only doing um, texting. He would not do email because he was older and he said he wasn't email savvy. So I started emailing him. I said, can you please send me something showing me that you severed the case, that you put the motion in to at least sever this case. And he said, okay, yeah, I'll get it, blah, blah, blah. So when he sent, he mailed me an empty envelope. So I, I emailed him back. I said, excuse me, Mr. Oliver, he's dead now, but uh, uh, you, you didn't put anything in the envelope. Oh, yeah, I'll get around to it. So after all of that, three months of that went by, I filed a motion to the state bar um, regarding this attorney. And I told him that all the things I listed, everything regarding his um, constitutional rights had been violated. And they wrote me back another two months later, sorry, there was some ethical difficulties, blah, 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 but we can't do anything about it. Okay, that's another thing. So then when I finally, he finally had his secretary email me back, and they said, oh, I'm sorry, we didn't put the motion in the services case. We went on the motion from Mr. Willoughby, which is the other guy's attorney. So with that being said, Christopher never had a chance. He never had a chance. There was everything was circumstantial. He never had. There was never any um in any evidence against him. The um we had the hotel receipt for him being at the hotel with his girlfriend the night before that. They didn't even take that into consideration. It was he. We were doomed from the start. 
And so mm-hmm. our mission now is to get his case out on a platform, different platforms, so people can see and hear our side of it because we was behind the we was behind it the A ball from the word go. Mm-hmm. You know, have you two I had any this. any experiences with the public defender's office? Are they good attorneys? I'm sorry. Have I you had experiences with the pub with the public defender's office? Judge uh, Judge Joy was Judge uh, Judge Brown says that they've got pretty good attorneys in the um, uh-huh. public defender's uh-huh. office. Again, here we go again. So because the first, they are uh, first, I ran out of money, so I got a, a state appointed attorney, and that was Mr. Um, Mr. Oliver. So after Mr. Ops, so they, they, uh, the state appointed him to us. Come to find out again, I'm working backwards. This guy had been, um, the, during the trial, mind you, the detective Hook was under investigation. Um, Christopher's attorney was under investigation for molestation. It was a ton of charges against this man. He shouldn't have even been on the board on um, working in the under law, period. His license had been taken twice, and he was back. That's who they appointed me. And then on the DA side, Detective Hooks, he was the one. He was under investigation in investigation for also he had five cases against him for planting uh, wrong evidence on other people. So again, we was behind the eight ball from the word go. Yes, well, yes, that's a lot. It sure seems like it. There seems to be too many ways in which the justice system can actually convict somebody without um, the attorney I'm actually doing something about it, or even if the attorney can do something about it, it sounds as though as though they don't care if they're appointed. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to uh, find out about. One of the things I want do to they say have is an psych- interest. Mm-hmm. Psychological research of wrongfully convicted individuals shows that years of imprisonment are profoundly scarring, and they said that many individuals, not only just the person in jail, but also the family could suffer from post-traumatic stress disorder, institutionalization, and depression. And some were victimized themselves in prison. So sometimes people, prison is not a place for young men at all. And, sir, I don't know who you are that are calling in, but you, I like what you're sharing with us. What capacity, because I can hear and tell that you are very familiar with the law, Actually, I'm not. That's why I'm called in. Um, I wanted to find out more about the law, and I'm learning from both of you about the uh, the change, as it were, of of what can happen to people. You see, there's mm-hmm. another show on BTR I go to. It's called Shedding Light, and she's always interested because she has a loved one that's in jail, and she's always uh-huh. interested in getting her son out and other people out who have been wrongfully convicted. Okay. So, so and you know what? I came to this show. Oh. Yeah. To know more about that platform too, because maybe Crystal can con- connect with this person. Also, and they may have—I don't know how large their followers are, because most of these cases with wrongful conviction. When I was looking at the information, the number one is murder. The second one is sexual assault, and then we got drug charges. Those are the three things that most African Americans deal with: murder, sexual assault, and drug charges. And they wrongfully convicted. 
in a lot of cases. I would suggest. I would suggest that you, as a mother of a person who has been wrongfully convicted, if you have a website, you should promote it. If you don't have a website, you should create it. Because well, the as guy, a service the, to the um, community. Uh, yeah. I'm sorry. The, um, the people we're working with just created uh, Instagram. It's at Justice for Stone. Um, and so that orange, and then we have a Facebook. So these things are just now taking place. We, we're seven years in now, okay? Um, I also want to point out um, my son went in at a level four yard, the maximum, super max um, level. He technically is at a level two because of his mindset, his spirituality. And his uh, points continue to be because he hasn't gotten in trouble. He hasn't did anything. He's been on the right path since he's been incarcerated. So all that stuff matters to the man versus the animal that they have painted him to be to give him 75 years. Christopher has four daughters, four little girls that have had to go see their dad in prison. The reason why I suggest the reason why I suggest the website, even though you have Instagram and you might have Facebook, is that both those platforms can shut you down on a capricious whim. If you have your own website and the hosting is only about ten dollars a month or so, you can actually get a free website. And for ten bucks a month, you can control your website and the traffic that goes there and you don't have to worry about what you say on your own platform. So that's why mm-hmm. I'm suggesting that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. One of the things that, and I don't know, Krista, if you have connected with the Innocence Project, and sometimes we're looking at um, DNA. Sometimes that can help when individuals have been wrongfully accused or wrongfully convicted. Um, witness testimony sometimes, you know, filing an appeal, some of these things that can occur, uh, What you were talking about with the jury misconduct. Those are some of the things that normally, but you got, here you go, you fight another case, not to say fight another case, but then you get an attorney to try to overturn convictions and doing a, a writ of habeas corpus. It's, it's so many different legal terms. Exactly. There are too many hurdles that everybody has to go through. The Innocence Project yeah. is terrific, but they get, they get loaded with cases every year. They can only select mm-hmm. a few. For, for their attention. If you, if you both of you have your own websites, you can, what I learned today from both of you is the, uh, the number of ways that a, um, that a person can be wrongfully convicted from being associated with the, uh, the prosecutor, from detective line, which people know about, but they don't know how often that happens. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it happens. Course, they want you. If they want you, yeah. oh, back in the day, we used to have crooked police officers. Oh, yeah. they they And then your family history, they, yeah. They right. come up with all of this And then this. And yeah. all these strikes against you when you're born. And then I, then I just learned, I just like nobody knows uh-huh. about it. That if, you're, if you're wearing the so-called wrong colors of a gang uh-huh. um, and they have 10 points against you, they can actually officially make uh-huh. you a member of a gang. Now, that to me is, is absolutely 
legally ludicrous, outrageous, egregious, and any other type of terminology you want to use to convict somebody just based on just based on a parent's alone. I don't mind if it's a suspect. Name the person as a suspect. Do not term them as legally a member of a gang. Because when you show up in court and the um, and the jury hears you're a member of a gang, automatically it's conviction time. Yeah, and if you don't have a competent lawyer like, Yeah. Like I said, my son was so, my son was deemed a documented gang member of a neighborhood that he left at over less than 18 months. He was born in March 1985. I moved in June 1986. Yeah, I remember, you, I remember you said that. Yeah. It's like that, that made absolutely no sense to me when I heard that my son was a documented gang member of a neighborhood that I grew up in. And I wasn't even a documented Not, gang member. <laughs> so, yeah, right. Me, if I were a defense attorney, I would tear that apart. I, I would say, ladies and gentlemen, said. the jury, you know, take a look at this said, piece of paper. Hmm? It mm. says, uh, my son just texted, he said, I started off on a level four. My points were extremely high due to the three strikes law. They knew that I wasn't, and, and that's, that was another thing, too. They gave my son a strike on a misdemeanor one time. How you going to give him a strike on a misdemeanor? So, I mean, I had to go through so much stuff. And at least he, he says attorneys don't care or your lawyers. Never had a lawyer. Oh, Brian, Brian Hamilton is saying, um, Hamilton is saying, attorneys don't care or your lawyers. Never had a lawyer tell me my, in my face that came out of somebody else's um, house, something. And I'm trying to click on here to see what he's saying. But, Brian, if you want to call in and you want to share what you got to say, give us a call at 516-387-1914. Because the thing is, we start talking about mass incarceration. We start talking about how much money the prison system makes with people being in prison. But when you're giving people these death sentences, these football football numbers, that makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. And the sad part about it is, because I know I have a very strong personality, and like I said, Crystal, many of you thought that when I left Compton that I did become an attorney because I started off in that field, but then I deviated towards psychology versus more criminal justice because they wouldn't let me in in law enforcement because they said I did not fit in. So I was like, okay, because I tried, but they would not let me do that. So... Now I have the ability to help educate, to help in regards to telling them my perspective as it relates to the individuals with the criminal justice system, whether it's in the courts. I remember one time my daughter asked me, who was at a meeting with a judge and some other people from programs, my daughter said, Mom, why you always got to make people look stupid? I said, I'm not trying to make them look stupid. I know that this judge is sentencing people to programs that he don't know nothing about. So I'm asking questions that I knew he didn't know the answers to. And after our meeting, the man came up to me and said, Ms. Abney, um, I want to thank you for your input and bringing these things to my attention because that's what I can do now. You know, my daughter used to sit on a commission in Orange County with the um, – with the uh, Orange County criminal justice system, by trying to do these things, that's that's a way, that's a start. But I'm going to tell you another thing, writing letters, writing letters. 
when you start writing letters and you won't shut up, girl, they they used to swear I was part of Johnny Conklin's law firm by the time I got finished writing letters. So I agree with you on that one. Letters, from, if people just write the letters, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a really good one. Mm-hmm. But you've got to write. You just can't say, I'm going to write the letters. I mean, you got to start like right. writing them like yesterday. Mm-hmm. No. When you, because you never know, they say, like they said, when you throw a rock at a pack of, of wolves, the one that hollers the one you hit, you never know who you might connect with when you start writing these letters and the person may listen to you and say, hey, you know what, let me look into this. Let me look That's into true. this case. I let agree me, with that. You never know what politician you may run into. You never know, you never know where your help is going to come from. You never know. And that's another thing, letter writing. Starting with your, even with your local government, you know, contacting your congressmen. Your, those are some of the individuals that sometimes that can pull some weight and, and move some things and maneuver some things and look into some things. That's another way of trying to make a difference in these cases. Because when we get emotional, they don't want to hear what we got to say based on our emotions. I'm going to say this, Crystal, and I, I know I want the other caller that somebody just called in with 1684. When I went to Arizona when my son got in trouble the last time and they said he was looking at 13 years and they said if it wasn't for the fact that your mama showed up, you would be doing time. When I heard what my son did, I got so mad, I told that man, I said, you need to lock him up. That man said, I ain't never seen a mama come in here and say something like that and not make excuses or say they son didn't. <laughs> my son didn't tell me the whole story. So when I found out the whole story, I got mad and lucky I didn't keep his butt up eating that dog on when I was sitting there. I was so mad. So sometimes they're looking at this. Now, someone just called in, 1684, it sounds like you got some background noise. Um, what do you want to add to this show as we're talking about wrongfully convicted? Uh, yeah, this is Brian. I was just saying that, you know, the lawyers really don't care. You got to stay on top of them. And uh, they do work with the district attorneys. I had this person tell me to my face that my alibi didn't matter. This was my my lawyer. Mm. This was my lawyer. And uh, so when I got in the court, I told the judge, hey, man, she don't even want to check out my part. You know, y'all got all this against me. Check mm-hmm. out, I don't know these people. How I'm coming out the house uh, selling these people dope. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so, it, and but it got dismissed, but you just got to say, and you can get these lawyers fired. If they ain't working for you, get them fired. You can get them investigated, too. The district attorney's office, too. All of them. Yeah. Even if yeah. the judge is not doing what he's supposed to, you can file a complaint against the judge. That's their job. But you can't bring it to the attention of another person. And a lot of times we get scared because we think, oh, my God, I don't want to do this. I will write a letter in a heartbeat. So, like I said, and especially when you're talking about murder, um, sex crimes, or um, drug charges, and they going into communities and doing these things, just, you know, we got to do something about that when we're talking about wrongful convictions. People need to have a fair trial. Fair is not always equal, and fair is not always just. 
but we should have the ability to have proper representation. Now, I know the gentleman was saying something about a public defender. Sometimes there can be a conflict of interest with the public defender's office, too. And sometimes individuals can do well with what's called a state-appointed attorney. They still coming from where, you know, it's not that you're paying this attorney or you may have to pay a small fee, but there's different levels of the public defender's office. And not all attorneys are in private practice because most of them in private practice are like ambulance chasers. So they still sometimes want you to take a deal because they'll charge you maybe, and especially a murder charge, sometimes they want 50 grand off the bat. 50 grand will represent you. Who got $50,000 right now? You know, or if it's something well, that's that, the whole um, thing. Well, yeah. Most lawyers are worried about billable hours. They're, they're worried about billable hours. They're not really worried about the outcome. Correct. 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 That is true. But most people don't know that. They don't understand that. they just going to try to go get some help to say that I'm being a lawyer. Just like Brian was saying, when he got an alibi, his attorney didn't even want to hear what his alibi was. How are you legally representing me? You know, that's an incompetent attorney. Here you are withholding information. You know, here I got a defense, and you're not even using my defense. So that's the reason why I suggest I have the website, because nobody knows about this. I didn't know about this. I knew about it from smatterings here and there. But it seems to me as though it's a world, <laughs> it's a um, national epidemic about incompetent lawyers or lawyers that don't give a damn. And that yeah. is not good for America at large. Because one of the topics of the other show that I was talking about is if you can get the people who are, even if they've been wrong, uh, rightfully convicted, even if they are guilty, the safety of America, the mental illness of America is, at, um, is in jeopardy once they come out. Because okay. if we don't rehabilitate the people who are in jail, they're going to be released and they're not going to be happy. So we as Americans, just a normal American citizen, should have an interest in something like this. And then a lot of times we're not rehabilitating. And so what's happening is many of them are coming out institutionalized. They're having a hard time finding jobs. They're having a hard time finding housing. They're having a hard time reconnecting back to their family. Many of them are winding up homeless on drugs because they don't know what to do. They're lacking social skills. They're lacking vocational skills. And in some of the programs that are out there that are available, they're misappropriating funds, and I'm going to be honest about it. They're not doing what they're supposed to be doing either. And so it's a big mess. I remember going to a well, PAC meeting one time, and when I was uh, at the PAC meeting, uh-huh. one of the parole agents told the individuals that 80% of you are going to wind back up in prison. And he was 300 people in this place. And I walked up to the man, and I said, excuse me, why would you tell them that 80% of you are going to wind back up in prison. That man looked at me and said, job security. Because if I don't scare them and tell them that, they won't go back. So most of them are going to think I'm going to be part of that 80, not that I'm going to be part of that 20. So sometimes we got to encourage them. Sometimes we got to, you know, support them. We got to, you know, like like um, Crystal was saying, she was there to support her son. Yes, that's great. But sometimes we do need outside entities to come in and say, let me look into this. Let me see what I can do. Because you got nonprofit organizations starting all the time. you got a lot of these yeah, well, programs. Let me, we got to hold them let accountable. Me attest, 
Yeah, let me attest to that. I was in a training program uh, for a little while with the government NGO, and it was for senior citizens. So anybody over 50 could join this particular program, and they're supposed to help you get a job because once you're over 50, the job market is you know, practically dried up. I can mm-hmm. tell you from personal experience that only 1% of the uh, participants in these job programs funded by the government but ran privately. Only 1% mm-hmm. got jobs. Mm-hmm. 1%. They sucked. That's crazy. It's crazy. You know, and there are quite a few podcasts, as I'm scrolling down this on the Internet, there are quite a few podcasters that are doing things. Now, there are some individuals that was wrongfully, wrongfully convicted, had their convictions overturned. I remember when my last husband was wrongfully incarcerated, and he served 25 years in prison for a crime he did not commit. Now, what he did was he let the statute of limitation expire before he sued the state of Oregon in regards to his conviction. And I'm like, what are you doing? What are you? I don't know if he was afraid. I don't know if he wanted to, he wanted to open up that can of worms. But he served, and, and I remember um, sitting with, I didn't sit with the parole board, but they would have me on a video conference or on the phone because I was an advocate because we were friends because we grew up together before we had got married. And helping him fight his case because he kept saying to me, I didn't do this. I didn't do this, and I believed him. And the the attorneys that we were hiring, well, his, the, the man straight out told me, he's going to get released. His conviction going to get overturned. But they're going to get that 25 years out of him. And it was crazy because the lawyers was absolutely right. No matter what we did on the appeal, they made him do 25 years before they overturned his conviction. But when you're in there trying to fight your case, it's even harder. Crystal, can you, are you are you still there? I think Crystal had to go. Lynn, what is it like to try to fight a case when you're incarcerated? Or Brian, do you want to, Brian, you want to speak on that a little bit? I don't know if Brian's still there too. But trying to fight your case when you're in jail, anybody want to speak on that a little bit? I feel like if we had enough money, it would be easy. It's just lack of funds. Lack of funds? A good, a good lawyer. That's that's one of mine, anyway. I don't know what my daughter would say, but that's what I feel. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to say even not just a good lawyer, Linda. You can get a lawyer you can trust. That's what all that go together, baby. All of it. That, that's what I'm trying to say. Because you can not, have a good lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. Asshole lawyers, none of that. I'm talking about a lawyer. Yeah. Mhm. You know that's what I'm thinking. If we had the funds, I think my grandson would be sitting at home today. Mhm. That's the way I feel. Or even that I I would I would definitely say start letter writing, and I probably can help Crystal with that, and. Um, in regards to getting her, and I know she's doing a good job with some of the stuff that she's doing, and I want to thank you for contacting me about this again because I didn't know. I remember when we did the podcast when he was Long going to court. Ago. Yes, yes. I remember that, and then I just didn't know what happened afterwards. I, I didn't know. And but I appreciate it. This is what I would like to say before we have to go. It's like I appreciate the gifts out. Us get letters out. Uh, whoever hears my voice, 
try to uh, get the information and, and start writing letters at least to somebody that will listen, anybody mm-hmm. that will listen. Okay. You know what? My own son just sent a message out here. He said, I remember I was facing 34 years. They offered me a one-time deal of 14 years that I didn't accept. And he said, in my foolish brain. So I, I don't know. See, I'm learning more about my son as he's texting me things because what he started doing was when he kept getting in trouble, he stopped telling me because I started getting mad. So <laughs> I was like, uh-uh. You know, your granny go now. We ain't going to be, no, we ain't doing all of this. Stay out these people away. But then when you also talking about individuals that are wrongfully convicted or they're in the institution and they got mental health issues, that's a whole nother issue. That's one of the things that the gentleman was saying in regards to um, making sure that they are rehabilitated. A lot of times they're not addressing the mental health issue behind that. And no, you don't if want you tell me if I'm sitting in jail, for instance, and uh, that will give me a mental breakdown oh, in yeah. itself. Okay. You know what I'm saying? I've been going there staying as hell. But being in there and the way I've been treated, you can lose your freaking mind. Yes, because they break you down. You're not a strong person. You can lo- go lose it. But not only that, I would imagine. Of course they are. You know that. To control you. They will break you down yeah. to control you. Because I know I couldn't do jail. If I got to go in jail, I'm going to be preaching, singing, therapy, or something. Because. I know my personality is going to be a problem, especially my considering true. that I know how my the system true. works. It's going to be a problem. But I'm not going to try to go against the grain to be um, getting in trouble. But, you know, I get in trouble whether I say something or not. It's going to be a problem. So the thing is, and Linda, what do you want to leave? Because I know we're running out of time. What do you want to leave the listeners with as we're talking about wrongful and wrongfully convicted? What do you want to leave the listeners with? I would like for everybody to help and not sit back and, and watch your loved ones go to prison and not help do nothing. Speak up. Let it be known. Write the letters. Come on now. We got family and friends galore. Help mm-hmm. us release my grandson from that place. Mm-hmm. That's what I have to say. Um. I mean, I'm not big on GoFundMe accounts. I'm really not because with the GoFundMe a lot of times people, they get a percentage of it. Um, but like the guy was saying, if you set up a web page, you can link it to a PayPal account and then um, have it to where she can open up a bank account or something and then the funds can go towards this legal fund. If Trump uh-huh. can do a legal fund, yeah. everybody should be able to do a legal fund if that's the case, okay? And I'm not trying to become right. talk about politics, but people do it all the time. But the uh, website is a big thing to where individuals, it makes it easier to find. And then she can put a link to where it can, people can donate or do a donation. Uh, That's another way in regards to legal fines. Okay. Um, so what would you like to leave the listeners with? Number in and in. Yeah. I'm going to be starting a show very soon. I just uh, got accepted by a network to start a blog talk show. The first show would be about solutions for corrupt politicians. Mm. What I'd like is to have you show up to start off start off the show. I don't know if it's going to be starting this Wednesday or next week. I have to get some confirmation on some protocols that I want to institute. When I have that show set up, I want you to come on. I want you to talk about 
what you and anybody else has gone through and your real solutions to getting people who have been wrongfully convicted to get them out or um, any type of aid that can be um, potentially very, very useful for doing that. Because I'm not, I wasn't going to start a show like that. I was going to talk about politics in general, the corrupt bastards in Washington, D.C., what they're mm-hmm. doing to America. But your oh, show, talking, I mean, the knowledge. Are you talking to Lynn? Huh? Are you talking to me or are you talking to the grandmother? Anybody. Okay, Anybody right, can you. show up. Okay. To, let, me give you, let me give you my office number because I'm very easy to find. Because I am a licensed therapist and I also own two outpatient counseling centers. So I do a lot of okay. stuff in regards to domestic violence, anger management, parenting, co-parenting, child abuse, elder abuse, drug and alcohol. I, I, I'm court referred. I, I do a lot of stuff. I'm knowledgeable in the criminal justice system as well as in psychology as a therapist. Okay? So if you want to reach me, my office number is 714 992-1677. And I don't mind sharing what I know. I really don't. Because I am very verbal. Very verbal. No, you sh- okay, you should. All right, because people do not know about the, um, the different links in the chain, as I would call it, about how a person who with circumstantial evidence can get convicted. Mm-hmm. If a person oh, yeah. is being, being accused of something and they only have circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence, 90% of what I understand is like 85% of the criminal cases are convicted on circumstantial evidence. But if yeah. there's no eyewitness mm-hmm. testimony, no DNA, mm-hmm. and there's no certain DNA. circumstantial mm-hmm. evidence, I would think that a, um, that a person who, who has been alleged to have committed a crime would be set free. And if they're not, I want to know why. I, like I said, I was talking to a man, one of my friends that I've known for over 30-some years, convicted of circumstantial evidence. They know nothing. It was because of politics, because they had just got a new DA, and the little girl was upset with her mother because the mother wasn't a – she took to the uncle's car, crashed it. When she got home, she got into a fight with the uncle, with, with the mother, and the, told the mother, I'm going to get you back went to her grandmother's house and told the grandmother that my mama's husband been sleeping with me. And they convicted him with no evidence, no nothing, not, absolutely nothing. And I said to her, and I was watching all the sleep, I was watching all of this stuff go on, and the girl had a mental health issue and retracted her statement. Now, I had told him, nobody had messed with that child. But it wasn't him that messed with the child because he wouldn't have brought the child to me knowing I would have figured it out. But the, the girl was mad at her mother. And that man is now, he told me, he said they gave him 15 to life. And he's still in jail. I was jail. going to say, that happens, that happens more often than people think. There are a lot of women who, because they um, they get distressed, and there's, um, you know, there's some talk about coming down the pike about actually paying women for emotional distress even if the date a date doesn't mm-hmm. meet doesn't meet their expectations if they if they become emotionally distressed over a date but there's a lot of women who will accuse wrongfully out of being spiteful some guy that they've met and that poor guy have to go through the legal system to prove his innocence simply because 
everybody in America has been taught you must believe a woman. No, mm-hmm. you don't believe a woman. You believe the evidence. Where's right. the evidence? Oh. In this case, we had a, I want to say she was 14. In this case, you got a 14-year-old who's out of control, mad at her mother, because they get into a fight because she just wrecked the car. And that was her way of trying to get out of wrecking that car and fighting with her mama by going to say, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to mess up this. And that's because she, she didn't like the man. And that was that was messed up. And he is sitting there all that time. Well, crime he didn't even commit. And scared to go before the parole board again because he's tired of them not accepting his story because they said he's not showing no remorse. How much you show remorse for something I didn't do? I didn't even do it. All I did was fuck up a fight between a daughter and a mother. Jeanette, I'm going to have to go. Okay. But let me know when, uh, sir, let me know and let her know when your show starts so she can let us know. Got you. That sounds good. That sounds interesting. Give me a call, or like I said, or you can also email me at jabnylmft at gmail.com. That's my email address, additional email address. Okay? okay. Well, I, I want to thank you, sir, for joining us, sharing the information that you shared, because that let us know that other people do care and that other people are listening. There's also, let me see, I think that's, did I get everybody? Okay, there's somebody else on here, number in, in 0361. What do you want the listeners to know before we end the show today? 0361? Okay, they're still on here. Well, I want to thank you for joining us here for another episode here of Pressure for Dick Man's Blog Talk Radio. I will also be on the air tomorrow night at 6 p.m., and I'm going to talk about womanizing. We talk about womanizing. What do that mean? Are we teaching our young men to disrespect women? Are we as one, a woman in the situation not knowing that we're being womanized? I'm going to be given the definition of being womanized, what a womanizer looks like, and how to, if you are in that situation, how to get out of it, and if you are womanizing an individual, how to stop that behavior because that is not how you want to treat a woman. So join me tomorrow evening at 6 p.m. as we're going to be talking about womanizing. Now, you guys know Tuesday is normally when I do the show, from the pulpit to the couch. So I may be giving us a little biblical terms, but we're still going to be talking about it from a therapeutic perspective and bringing it to reality as far as what is going on. And, Ed, that was your number that I was talking to. Ed, you got anything you want the listeners to know before we end the show today? Because you also have some information to share. You've been real quiet, Mr. Ed. Oh, I'm here. I'm just, uh, I'm still stuck to the to the wall. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for joining us here, okay? I appreciate you. So until tomorrow. I, 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 will, I, I, will, I will be talking to you on, on, on the back end about this, uh, about this episode. All right, no problem. I don't have a client. And, 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 and when you get the information about the gentleman, you know, it's going to have the the, the show started. I would, I would like to um, like to participate in that too. Okay, sounds good. Well, sounds going, good. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, there's going to be certain restrictions though on the show because um, I do want what's your name, uh, the hostess, I forget Jeanette. I want yes. Jeanette to talk about the letter writing. 
this show is not going to be the normal political show because everybody likes to show up on a show and express themselves and vent. That's fine. This show is only going to be about practical solutions and the plans that people have made or will make in order to get the corrupt politicians, the people I call the scum, out of Washington. So it's not going to be an entertaining show. It's going to right. be a hard-driven... That sounds like my kind, sound like my kind of show. Yeah, okay. so that's what you do, too. But you know what? This is one of the things I say. If you're not going to be part of a solution, I'm going to add to the problem. I'm all solution-focused. What can we do to yeah. make it better and make a difference? And I'm not what? trying I'm to keeping it on, on track. Power and so... All right, and let me warn you again. The way I'm going to do it will be an interrogatory matter. If you're familiar with the way the Supreme Court justices do their cases, when a defense attorney um, comes up in front of them, to the, uh, the nine judges, they don't care what the defense attorney has to say until the, defense, until the judges ask them questions and make sure they keep them on track. That's the way it's going to be done on my show. No so, problem. There are going to be plenty of this. <laughs> There's going to be plenty of pissed off people because they're going to say, I've had experience say with already. You don't, give me, you don't give me time to speak. You know, they're going to say, you don't give me time to speak. I'm going to say, you're right. I want to keep it on track. I don't want people to go <laughs> the way you do it. Okay. okay. So right. I'm glad I'm, so I'm, glad I'm on your show. I'm glad I'm, uh, I'm glad about this topic. I'm going to call you to let you know about the show, and then you can tell your friends. Okay. And then after that, we will um, divert over into relationships. So the womanizing show, eh, I might show up in that too. <laughs> okay. Okay. Because right. we gonna stop that behavior. We we gonna stop that. We got we got to kind of see people. With me, All right. You know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you again. My name is Jeanette Abney, and I am the host at Precious Predicaments Blog Talk Radio. Enjoy the rest of your day. Bye bye. Good night, all. <laughs>